We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And before I get to my conversation with Britt Robson of The Athletic, I wanted to give you all a little update on what we're doing with the podcast this season. Uh, prior to this year, I was obviously doing a lot more writing when I had my pseudo beat writer gig. And, and this pod was just a once or twice a week sort of addition I had to, to the writing work I was doing. You know, writing was the focus and the podcast was was just supplementary. This year, um, I've inverted that. Uh, many of you who have been listening this year know that. You know, I'm doing pods after every Timberwolves game in addition to those normal one or two episodes a week with a guest like Britt or, or other guests that I'll have on. And for December, that translated to 17 episodes in 31 days. And that will uh, pretty be pretty close to the normal monthly volume I'm going to do this season, which for the record, particularly when (laughs) the team's on a losing streak, I'm well aware is way too much Timberwolves talk for any sane person to be doing, but I'm doing it. And, and because um, I'm not writing, this is my primary revenue generator for the season. Uh, There are of course ads on the show that you're listening to, but the majority of the revenue for this whole venture comes from subscriptions via Patreon. So if you were on the fence This is just kind of for you if you're on the fence entering uh, the year about that subscription and do feel like you're now listening to five bucks a month worth of podcast here. um, It would be much appreciated if you went over to patreon.com slash MBA and signed up. And again, if not, I totally understand that too. Um, I promise I'm not going to be pumping this all the time, but I felt like, you know, it's been a month into the season and it was a good time to bring it back up. So again, that's five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA if that feels reasonable to you. 
P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dane Moore MBA. And speaking of five, the Wolves are on a five-game losing streak. So let's get into all of that with Britt Robson of the FL. All right, Britt Robson, as I delayed the beginning of our podcast 30 minutes, I noticed you've been on Twitter firing off Wolves-related stats here, and it sounds like your implication is two things. The Timberwolves have not played that good of teams thus far, and that Jared Vanderbilt is actually worthy about being excited about. Am I right there? Yes. I mean, I, I it was a little tongue-in-cheek. One of the tweets was that we get infatuated about the new guy. And then, yeah. and the, you know, and that's going to be, I mean, you can't rip on a fan base for going overboard on, like, um, they get six life uh, preservers and four of them are filled with cement, and then they find one that looks like it floats. They're going to swim to that one, you know? So... <laughs> You know, I, I think that uh, it's perfectly fine to be excited about Jared Vanderbilt. I do think um, he does have an Okogie-esque tendency to just run around like crazy, um, which is not a bad thing thus far. He's athletic enough to uh, do some really good things. Um, and he bothered Jokic as much certainly more than Nas Reed did the last two games and and as much in his own way as Ed Davis did who's a savvy vet who knows how to play these things so um what I think that I was very cautious about jumping on some kind of bandwagon uh for obvious reasons um I do think the Wolves were a little bit slow in moving him from garbage time to even the bottom of the rotation. And obviously uh, that didn't really happen in earnest until circumstances kind of forced their hand. I think the way they've dealt with Vanderbilt versus the way they've dealt with Nas Reed is illuminating. I think it's, it's a comparison that isn't hard to make because uh, they're kind of in the same boat. Um, they are this weird amalgam of uh four five uh in their own way um but different ways oh yeah that's right yeah different ways and yeah but um again i i think that uh nasri does not have good quick twitch reactions neither does cat uh, so if they're building a style, I guess, you know, it's consistent that way. But uh, I think Vanderbilt does. I mean, I think Vanderbilt can su- sure. he'll surprise you with his quickness. Um, even though he's an athlete, quick twitch and athleticism don't necessarily correspond all the time. And so um, I think that's a, that's a positive about him. Um I, I think too, Britt, like what, what you were talking about in bothering Jokic was a lot of what I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of what we saw him do actually in this game against Jokic when he played real minutes 
those things were showing up in the garbage time he was playing before, yes. whether it was bothering LeBron with those sort of th- the, in, yeah. in one-on-one situations, whether it was playing, you know, in transition, whether it was bringing energy, which, whether it was being a lob threat, like really, I mean, and, and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of fans who are calling for play that player, play Jared right. Vanderbilt right. because he's doing X, Y, and Z. And, and, you know, I think the tendency is to probably be, always be skeptical of what a player is doing in, in garbage time. That's just being fair. But then he comes out, and X, Y, and Z was exactly what he did in in real minutes. Um, and inspired frontline personnel. For sure. And So, yeah, I think that the uh, thing about Vanderbilt that I think the management, Ryan and Gerson, are worried about is that he's undisciplined, um, which is fairly obvious. Um, But what I think is kind of going unspoken and beneath the radar right now is that even though system is important and even though this team is very, very unfamiliar and familiarity is going to be crucial to their eventual improvement with and without Cat, there are a lot of on-court situations that are chaotic and if you're totally system bound if all you're thinking about is where you should be you lose that split second or two of instant reaction nose for the ball hustle call it whatever you want um vanderbilt has that and uh he was disruptive last night in it's, it's not often that you can have a guy who pushes the pace and mucks things up. Usually a mucker is a plotter. Uh, sure. He was a, he was a mucker and a pace pusher last night. And that's a, that's an exciting combination. If he can sustain that while adding discipline to his game. It, I, I think like there's been times in the past with Wolves players and you know, you've done that this, I've done this before where it's like, Oh, here's this, the Wolves stink. Um, player X kind of comes in and, you know, makes five threes or right. whatever. And it, it just becomes this kind of cloud of a storyline that eventually, you know, sort of disappears. There's a ton of those over, I think, kind of like over the flip. The years where flip was kind of in sure. charge. And, and why I think this one is actually worth sort of acknowledging, not that, not that, you know Vanderbilt's for sure going to be great or anything like that. I'm I I don't I don't know, but but he is so young, he and he is he is a restricted free agent. You know going forward, this isn't just like a this isn't just like a guy on a ten day, you know who who we can have fun with for a month, right? Like there is there is a world where this works out, and you know Jared Vanderbilt is 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 Cat's backup five you know, for the next three years, you know, he signs a, maybe not for as much money as Wancho, but like a deal like that, you know, a, a two plus one sort of thing this, this summer. And so, so th- th- those are the type of players, you know, that, that I'm extra tracking. Like that, there's a reason they targeted Jared Vanderbilt and that his age, that restricted free agency. We know this about th- this front office, that that, those are the type types of guys they want to take the scratch off tickets on so so it is it is to me going to be worth tracking what jared vanderbilt could be not just as an individual but within you know this greater construct that rosas has put in together right and and 
what you left out, but it's probably because you've said it before and there's a lot of talk about it in the past. He's got blue blood pedigree. He's a McDonald's All-American. He's done yeah, all this stuff, call. you know. And so, you know, it's why they got McDaniels in the draft this year. It's why they, you know. Damn near every guy on the team, man. <laughs> like, I remember when I was going through those those top, like, just the players. I was just going through the ESPN Top 100 right. for every year. And basically every guy on this team was top 40 high school ranked guy. They're right, just, right. again, it, it just it's baking in that upside, those upside guys. Everybody's right. got to have upside or they're not worth right. having. Right. Uh, and, and so you do have this situation now where um, it clearly wasn't the plan. Let's face it. I mean, I mentioned Nas for a reason. Nas was always the plan, almost from the day they drafted him uh, and signed him to a, you know, a, a weird kind of, I mean, not a weird, but a, a very team friendly long term deal. Um, they had plans for Nas beyond um, what he wasn't a flyer, he was a keeper. And so, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, um, while certainly more desirable than Amari Spellman, may he rest in peace, uh, is, is somebody who has been relatively shunned by the grand scheme of this organization thus far and had yeah. to do some relatively extraordinary garbage time uh, pyrotechnics in order to be taken seriously enough to be thrown in the game after Nas Reed got in foul trouble in a relatively competitive game for a team that is floundering. I mean, you, you, it, they, it pretty much had to be a situation where they had no other choice. And this was such an obvious choice that they would have been lambasted if they didn't make the choice, you know, so. Right. So do you think, do you think he's going to play going forward? Uh, I don't think they have much choice. Um, I think that. Lane what about if Kogi's back on, on Thursday? Though? Well, I, Okogi, I think, you know how they do. It'll be like 15 to 25 minutes for Okogi to start. They won't throw him out there for the full boat. And, this is a good transition time. I think more to the point, I don't worry about Okogi so much as I worry about Wancho and Lehman. I think they like mm -hmm. Wancho and Lehman a lot more than they like Vanderbilt for this season at least, and perhaps next yeah. season. And so... Um, but I'm saying I think people are about to expect Vanderbilt to play this 25 minutes now every night in perpetuity. Well, like. And, and to be fair, fair to those people who I was, you know, in the back of my mind kind of going, yeah, you know, this is your new infatuation. They haven't been proven wrong yet. I mean, no, I, I, yeah. And so, I, and so there is a school of thought that says, hey, you've lost five in a row. Your fan base is ready to torch, you know, the place. Everything. It might be nice to at least give these people the satisfaction that you're not squandering talent on the bench, that in fact there is a reason why this guy isn't getting full-blown minutes because he can't do X, Y, and Z. And to satisfy yourself that that's the case. There are certain players that, for whatever reason, are better gamers than they are practice players. And maybe that's what's happened with Vanderbilt. Um, I'm just saying that they, they – 
he was the tenth player in the rotation yesterday. Yes. Very clearly. Yes. He's, you know, he came in in the second quarter. I don't. I think it was supposed to be a nine-man rotation, yeah. and then Nas picks up a third, and so Vanderbilt gets shoved in as the tenth. Now, if you're adding a Kogi back to that exact same group, that would make Vanderbilt the eleventh. And and I, I, you know, I think if you just run through it, you go well. You, if you want Vanderbilt to stay in, you probably got to take him, take someone else out. And they're not. I doesn't seem like they're going to take Ed Davis out. He's their best post defender, screen setter. Um, you know, and that it seems very important to their D'Angelo Russell centric ways right now. Nas Reed, for all the reasons you just listed off, is is just there is yeah some front office infatuation in him. And you know what? To be fair to Nas, prior to last night, he's been. Yeah. Pretty good this year. He's been I don't think anybody could argue that Nas is providing value. Uh value and value in context, value compared to right. his con- contract. Value right. as opposed to if Nas was a fourth year, you know, backup center, if if Nas was Ed Davis, um, would we feel the same way? I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I kind of would actually, because he does have flashes. Um but he also he hurts this team in ways that are less obvious than the ways he helps this team because he does have uh, neon skills. You know the the fact that he's able to uh, finesse. He's got great finesse around the basket. Um, mm-hmm. But I knew, I mean, when Jokic had him in the high block <laughs> in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> I was literally tweeting. I had never been so confident in a tweet in my life. I said, Jokic, <laughs> Jokic welcomes this matchup. I guarantee it is pretty much what I, I think that's exactly right. what I tweeted. Um, Ryan messed up that rotation, man, in the fourth quarter. Well, again, I, and this is not to make excuses for Ryan because he has to own his allegiances too. Um, but I think clearly he didn't want to have Nas lose confidence. Um, Nas is still going to be, you know, one of his guys moving forward. Um, But yeah, you had a game that I don't think that's what happened in that situation. I think what happened in that situation was they were freaking out. He was scared because at the beginning of the fourth quarter in the previous game, they blew it all away. They they went into that fourth quarter with the lead. Remember after D'Lo? I remember it well. Right. in the third quarter, and then, and then you know, in that game, Ryan wanted to, you know, steal some minutes with a Rubio and da- or Rubio and Davis group at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and so that D'Lo and Nas could finish, and and they got Rubio and Davis just got crushed in that fourth beginning of that fourth quarter because they couldn't play any offense. Right. So I think the next night Ryan's going to say, "Well, that's not going to work. I can't play Rubio and Davis again." The offense completely crumbled, in the, and that's why we lost that game. But I think the thing to have been focused on was the fact that you need to defend here at the beginning of the fourth quarter against Nikola Jokic. And the guy you're now, this it's a whole different equation because this time you're trying to make it so you can close with D'Lo and Vanderbilt. So to go with Nas Reed was a move to try and boost your, your Rubio offense and when the more important thing was was the defense, I I would be surprised if when he's going back, he's not looking you know in notes on his game, he's not looking at that as a mistake. 
Oh yeah. I, well, I, I, you know, after the fact, 2020 vision says it's a mistake right. and a very egregious one in that respect. I mean, Nas came in and, and just killed momentum like a bug, you know, not that, uh, there was a lot of momentum. Actually, there was a little bit of trending downward momentum, but I think that the, the idea that all of a sudden for the second game in a row, Jokic toyed with this team in the fourth quarter. You know, if you want to look big picture at things, and I tweeted this out last night too, um, there is a narrative that if I were a Denver beat writer, I might go to, which is that um, Denver knew they could beat this team whenever they wanted to, if they kept it close. And in the fourth quarter, they did exactly that. This is a team that went to the conference finals last year. Um, they're expecting big things of themselves and they don't have cat <laughs> has actually played Jokic very well historically. And without cat on the floor, um, this was, they don't have a good matchup. I mean, they're playing Ed Davis all, copious yeah. minutes. And so, and I, th I think Jokic is exactly the kind of guy who says, all right, you know, uh, bide my time. I'll, now I got my matchup. Uh, here I go. I'm going to get 10 points. I'll get eight, minutes. I'll get eight, six and yeah. four in these next 10 minutes. You know? Exactly. What you did. He did it in the fourth quarter, both times. Yeah. He, he, he bided his time. Cause in defense of Ryan, they just don't have like if you're if he with this team right now if he's trying to be intentional about putting a closing lineup together for the last six minutes he's got to play his six through ten guys in the six minutes before that and the six through ten guys on this team just aren't good enough you know well and the closing and they're probably lineup, the guys who aren't playing well at the time the first thing you do is you remove Rubio from the closing lineup or you remove which he did yes I know but I mean. Um, which puts him in that other lineup, which is a problem. Yeah. Well, again, um, this team's rotation is necessarily a tire fire because they are unfamiliar, undisciplined, and pressing. You know, they're two yeah, and they're sure. two and five with five losses. They have the worst net rating in the NBA. They have the worst defense in the NBA. They're 23rd on offense in the NBA. They have the second worst true shooting percentage in the NBA. Um, they right now desperately need Cat back and or Okogi back. Um, and they need to find some synergy in their rotation that thus far is not happening. And um, we're in that very familiar place for Wolves fans. Um, is it bad judgment or incompetence? You know, I mean, is Ryan putting together people in a bad way or are the people themselves just not holding up? Um, I think most of the time thus far, you'd have to blame the performance on court rather than the guy pulling the strings but then you also have to go back to the idea that familiarity or not, um, yes, this team has made improvements from just abominable in Los Angeles to uh, 
a bad loss in Washington that was just a titch better, perhaps, to two games in Denver where Denver decided to stay with them for three quarters and then dispose of them in the fourth. I mean, that's minuscule progress by that metric. You know, they're going to be like three and 14. Um, and so um, you do have a situation now where uh, Okogie will be back, if not Portland. And by the way, I would not automatically assume Okogie will be back for Portland, not with his team. Um, Me neither. <laughs> and, and I also think that Cat uh, uh, may be back before the calendar flips. Um, and how will he be at that particular time? Um, you know, it's, it's the things we gamed out during the off season. What if they're three and 15? What if they're four and 11? What if they're, well, you know, here we are. I mean, this is what's <laughs> going to happen. And yeah, so then, right. then things begin to snowball. Then things begin to be all right. Um, all the things you were hoping for in terms of pecking order and chemistry start to corrode uh, because losing corrodes good or goodwill. You know, you can't be a competitive pro athlete and still be kind to everybody in that locker room as you're all going down the drain. I mean, not unless you're tired, Todd Gibson or somebody, you know, and so, you know, it buckle up. I mean, this is not going to be pretty, for at least the next couple of weeks, uh, which again, I, I do want to say this because I've been relentlessly negative about this team for the most part and, and still believe it, but <laughs> they do have that five quarters, fourth quarter in Detroit and that Utah game. They have a template. If cat comes back and plays good defense, it is cat. Things begin to settle down when you have your top of your pecking order doing the things he should do and a guy who can facilitate your idiosyncratic blueprint in a way that it is as good as Okogi can do it. Uh, the competition will get easier, I assume, you know, in late January and February. And so uh, it isn't like it's a lost season, not by my metric. I never thought they were going to make the playoffs. So that isn't, uh, isn't lost to me. I do think that they can put themselves together later on in a way that uh, lets people see that there can be momentum down the, down the line. It just, we're nowhere close to that right now. We're still in this uh, dreadful holding pattern of waiting for vital personnel to return. What the, the blueprint thing you talk about, I'm with you. It's the call it the five quarters from the first two games. Just to be kind, give it the first full two games in general. Right. Like the things over this run of time here, however long it is, are there are elements of the blueprint that can be distinguished right. during this interim period. And 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 the two, you know, I think of from from last night's game are probably just in general are. One, Wancho independently, like who and what he is. And then two, the Rubio and D'Lo synergy or lack thereof. Like, I mean, maybe with the Rubio and D'Lo thing, it looks more synergistic if they're playing 
more with Cat, and it doesn't feel as terrible as it has been. And you know, to their credit, when they were they're closing games in those first two games with Cat, it didn't feel as bad. But you have that you have the time that Rubio and D'Lo have played, and I know some people want to cite some numbers and stuff, but you just watch and play. You watch the vibe. It's not really working right. those two together, and then. And, you know, and then and then Wancho too. Where it was prior to the second Denver game, it was starting to feel really problematical because, yeah, sure, Wancho wasn't out there with Cat, but he wasn't even playing. Like he was still playing power forward. He was still being asked to do what he was going to do in this cat. So in their vacuums, those two things were empty. You know, and and and, and those are the things in the blueprint. I'm you know I'm trying to look at over this time. We're obviously here. We're scrap, scraping at the bottom of the barrel to find things that are relevant, but that those things are relevant. And, and if Wancho isn't anything, then that's a problem when this, when the blueprint is in place. And if D'Lo and Rubio can't work together, that's a problem because this team has literally made financial bets on both of those propositions, that those are things that have to work. And so I don't know, that's me, that's me blabbering there, but what, I don't know. Should we start with Wancho or should we or should we do the D'Lo Rubio thing? Because well, I've been kind of saving the D'Lo Rubio thing. Well, it's kind of fun because you know I'm down on both of those things. You know, I've never been a Wancho guy, and I've never been a Rubio D'Lo share the court guy. Um, right. You haven't. Uh, and I, I've actually been both of those things. <laughs> well, that's what makes this a good good conversation. I let's do Wancho first. Okay. Let's do Wancho first. Here's my position. It'll be easier for me to defend. Here's my position on Wancho. One half of the ball is never going to be sufficient. He is not a good defender, never will be a good defender. Um, he's just very, very slow-footed. He, even when he's aggressive, is just not bulky enough. He's not quick enough or beefy enough. Um, Sounds like a Timberwolf. <laughs> well, except that in his case, um, he's playing next to Cat or he's playing next to Nas Reed. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved what he did last night simply because I think he's a sure. good dude and he's just been heaped with scorn legitimately, by the way. He was out of shape when he came in, which is not good. He said that. He's admitted. Yeah, that. I know. I know. But I mean, that's not a great thing to admit. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, just, I'm just saying that's not like right. a thing that's up for debate. No, no, right, he right. came into right. camp out of shape. Right. For $21 million, who, what could go wrong? You know, it's like, uh, but I loved what I, I loved more than anything last night was how he built his game out. I mean, he starts banging in threes, then he starts crashing the boards, then he starts up faking and euro stepping. I mean, the guy was so much fun. He was, he was playmaking. I mean, I've learned in, and usually for, for Wancho in this system, He's a catch-and-shoot guy who will occasionally, as the ball is coming toward him, start moving to the basket rather than waiting. That's about the most playmaking I've seen out of Wancho until last night. I mean, he was literally figuring out how to slice and dice. And part of it is he, he knew the personnel on the other side. He probably he practiced against them for years. But he's also just confident. Yeah, like- yeah. For him, his package just expands with confidence, right, I, I right, think. Right. And, I mean, it was – he talked about that a little bit after the game and just like – in just that, you know, if I hit a couple, right. it, it opens up, you know, what I can do from a basketball sense. He's like, oh, now I can do more off the pop or the roll or the right. this and that. But it, it 
you could also just kind of tell in him it was like, you know, then I feel comfortable, right. you know, to to do a little bit more. And I think, I think that was the argument against Wancho, you know, in, in signing this contract uh, in the off season was that if he's only a spot up shooter, then he probably isn't, you know, a seven million dollar a year player, you know, um, like that. That's not enough. He's not lights out enough of a spot up shooter to. To, to justify seven million a year. So he's got to do a little bit more. And, and you know, that's kind of in the question is where, where are you going to get that more? And, and, and how, how often are you going to see it? Because, because yeah, you know, I was, I was joking at the beginning. He's not a good defensive partner for cat. Right. So like, what's the plan here? And, and I guess the way I've sort of justified it was, well, it's only 7 million. So it's going to be a backup, you know, He's going to be your backup for of the quote unquote future, right? Um, so it, it's it's kind of hard to you know see the trees for the through the forest, but like I think it's important that he does show something, and and I'm I'm open to the idea that he can be a seven million dollar a year player. It's just not the guy. He's not the power forward next to Cat, right? Going forward, it it just it depends what what a what lens are we are we looking at that's at this through? I think that's fair. Um, unfortunately, I have to look at him that way because the four the power forward options, you know, we've had a turnstile thus far. If Okogi can sustain, um, and you know that is you know thinking that Okogi can sustain is only slightly more reliable than thinking that Vanderbilt can sustain, you know, um, Okogi at least has another role if he's not the power forward. Um, but I do think that it remains to be seen whether or not after sufficient scouting and, you know, a month in NBA rotations, if people don't figure out how to just screw Okogi over as a small ball four. Um, but that's a big part of if Wancho's competent right. then in you, the rotation, then you don't have to go Okogi, you know, at the at the four as much. Like, I don't think... Well, again, though, it gets into the perpetual argument we have about this roster, which is a lopsided roster. How much do you need familiarity and how much do you need good matchups? Um, you know, I I actually like chaos i like matchup friendly games i want you know okay somebody is toasting you put in this guy who's a better matchup um that's not the way um i think it, uh, 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 uh. that's not the way rosa's thinks i don't think, think. The NBA, i do think that's the way saunders no but I'm talk, i think saunders is cool with that i do too but i think the nba is not cool with that either i think the nba uh. has become increasingly a role players game just like baseball just like football i mean i think one of the things that analytics does is say over time if you plug that skill into that situation you will do you will get better results you're going to have to live with some dips um and so i think that's i think the wolves have become an analytic oriented organization and i think in some ways generally a good idea in some ways it's a good idea i was just about to say the same thing but If you guess wrong on the growth of somebody's supposed skill set, you can be 
um, your analytics will take a while to prove you wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, uh, no, I get what you're saying there. That actually makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, let's take a quick break and then I want to talk Rubio deal. Okay. Hey everyone, want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art for your pod, Q&As with Blue Wire podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of uh, tips and tricks that we all use. On top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google Stitcher, all those listening platforms. And what I can tell you from my own experience is it costs more than $15 a month to host your own podcast. Blue Wire Hustle only charges that, which is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. So do you think it's a bigger risk that this three-year, $21 million contract for Wancho fails or that this two-year, $50 million D'Lo Rubio kind of experience, experiment? fails um i think bigger risk i actually think that it's a bigger risk but i also think it's more easily remedied the d'lo rubio thing there's nothing wrong um you know if ricky rubio can't make it work he is the loser in this. I mean, that's just the bottom line here. D'Lo is $30 million for the next two seasons. He's 1B behind Cats 1A, and he mm -hmm. flexes in certain circumstances that are very important to this team. Rosas has put his imprimatur on this team as much via D'Lo's pursuit as anything else he's done. So if D'Lo shits the bed... Rose's pajamas get dirty, you know, and so it is a problem, you know, it's a problem. And so, but the Rubio thinks a problem too. Like what's the, out? it's easily remedied. You, you know, you yourself said that, you know, you just get rid of him the next year. Yeah. yeah. That's because I thought he was going to have a decent year. Well, he still may, but I'm not sure yeah, he's yeah. going to have it next to Delo. Not that, that's, you know, that's not, what I'm saying. That's not, what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what I mean about easily remedied. There's nothing wrong. And, I, you know, I went back and forth with Jace Frederick, who I think the pie press beat writer, who had some really good points to make about um, the fact that you cannot totally separate them. They need some minutes together. That's the blueprint. Um, 100%. I think that blueprint needs to be tweaked a little bit. Uh, and that means probably less minutes for Rubio until he demonstrates otherwise. And he's played 18 and 21 the past two games. There, right. It go. has been less minutes. And there you go. And and, and to be honest with you, uh, I, I think it's helped the Wolves rather than hurt them. I think when Rubio's been on the floor, it's been injurious. 
Now, is that because he's only getting 18 to 21 minutes and he's unhappy? And there again, you have these, uh, you know, rotten egg or deformed chicken arguments. You know, I don't know. But, you know. There's also going to be people here, and you, you say this, who are going to go, wait, the Wolves have been better now that Ruby, now that Rubio's playing a lesser role. Look at Delo's, you know, plus minus. Look at all this and that. And, I mean, they've also been injurious in, in all the Russell minutes as well, too. But I think this it's more of an existential conversation about, like, if this starts working, who are the guys that you're playing? Not about – we can't just go off of what the, you know, the, the net rating have been of these five fairly broken games. I mean, right. don't factor right. that in. I'm not – I'm certainly not giving – Russell and everyone else a, a pass for those but but what Saunders is clearly looking for is I'm trying to figure out what this looks like in the backcourt five games from now in a time where maybe we're occasionally winning games what is undisputable is that Ricky Rubio organizes things and this team is unfamiliar with each other and needs organization desperately that is undisputable. The big impediment, it's not that I'm disputing that fact. I'm countering that is this the kind of familiarity you want? I would rather have Rubio be organizing Anthony Edwards and Jarrett Culver uh, on some second unit. Guys who you know, have some real upside if, if you can make them work and coming in and when Cat is on the court, I do think that Cat's primacy, the need to get him the ball and work the offense through him unites the disparities that Rubio and D'Lo bring to the table. They are very, very different pace-oriented guys. They're very, very different rhythm-oriented guys. And they're very, very different in terms of the way they see the court. You know, one likes to, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, some people like landscape art. Some people like uh, Chuck Close, you know, very close-up, detailed, pointillistic art. Um, Rubio is a wide-span guy. That's the way he plays the game. Uh, D'Lo is, um, uh, let me see how I can mess with this guy on me to uh, funk it up to, so I can get to the basket or work with one other teammate to do that, or at most work the pick and roll and then kick it to the outside. Um, that's his game. He's a one, two, or three-man guy. Rubio's a five-man guy most of the time um, on offense, on defense, by far Rubio's best argument to be on the court, but not this year thus far. He's over, you know, I worry about the fact that Rubio clearly wants to start in his heart of hearts and clearly realizes the more he doesn't play well, the further that chance gets away from him. He's saying all the right, right. things and will try to do all the right things, but nobody should expect rookie Rubio to be content with a bench role given his career and where he's come from so 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 Britt, like are are you 
or are you not concerned about the Rubio and D'Lo pairing when Cat is back? Because it's pretty clear it is a concern and problematical right now and will continue to be during this interim period, right? Mm -hmm. What about when Cat's back? I think it the concern diminishes but does not go away because they are very different players. Um, and here's the deal. The chemistry concerns rise because minutes with cat become very, very precious for both of those guys. I mean, if you, if you're a point guard, you don't want to sit while cats on the court and then come in and get maybe a fifth of those minutes while Cat leaves the court and leaves you with Ed Davis, Nas Reed, or uh, you know even Jared Vanderbilt, that's a different mm-hmm. that's a different way to play. You know you don't have nearly as many advantages. If you have arguably the best shooting big man in NBA history out there on the half court situation, you get to do so many things as a point guard, and that again is the organizing principle for them being together. But I don't think you can always have that trio playing together, you know, because well, I think it's pretty simple. Like, I, I think you just you you stagger them in the beginning of the halves. You go D'Lo, you pass the baton to Rubio, you know, and then you close the half with both of them out there. Uh huh. Like, and that would obviously be next to Cat. And who gets so, left out? Beasley or. Um, that's the question well i mean the closing lineup that goes to what was the closing lineup and the closing lineup was in the first two good games rubio delo beasley akogi and cat right so that's not leaving anyone out right it's leaving culver and edwards out and um again um well let's talk about them i mean i don't feel like they deserve to be in that closing lineup um Again, what is, you like? You like that pairing? You got in, independent of each other. Very good. Neither point. of very those good point. two. I prefer yeah. them together than separate, and that is a, a way to uh, shut down my current line of thinking. Um, but <laughs> I do think, at the end of the day, I don't have enough faith in the Rubio Delo pairing as being worth the juice, you know? Um, uh, I hear you. I I think that, uh, and I could be proven wrong. I mean, the five quarters I'm talking about had a pretty healthy dose of that stuff. So um, if Cat can, I mean, if Cat can continue to play defense well enough and Rubio can continue to play defense well enough to hide D'Lo in those circumstances and Okogi for that matter. And Beasley, who has not been a huge minus on defense. Uh, He's got his moments where he is, but he's been better than I thought he would be. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm cautiously pessimistic. (laughs) I guess that's what I would say. What what it reminds me of is – the sentiment there, which I understand is your opinion. It reminds me of the sentiment of when I tweet something and somebody comments on it and they assert their opinion and I go, well, that's your opinion and it's a fair one, but there's no way 
it's what's going to actually happen with this team. Uh huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's why a long way of saying, right. like, they're going to play D'Lo and Rubio together. Like, this is going to get ample run. It, Ryan was being intentional about it in the first Denver game of splitting them up because he just wanted to get D'Lo going. Like, I think that's all of what that was about. And he's kind of, you know, pressing right now to figure out how to get the two of them out there together because they just don't really work in less cats out there. You okay. Know? Like, and so it doesn't take a genius. And I understand these are desperate times. But if the way to make this grand plan work is to sit Rubio so D'Lo can get going, I'm not sure that's a great strategy there for the no, D'Lo Rubio. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not saying <laughs> you just that's what's happening. Right. I'm just saying that's, okay. that's what's happening. So, so um, you say it's not going to happen. I say they already were forced to say it didn't happen well. And let's make this fairly substantial tweak that rebuts everything we're doing so that we can eventually get back to this thing we want to do no totally man i okay. totally all right it, it, so it's, it's all just messy because it's not a cat group like right. that which is which is a problem with all this stuff yes, it's like exactly right that is i'm just saying the they're the gonna day. play together right. right they're gonna play together when they're next to cat and and i actually think that'll probably be fine for this year. I think because you can go D'Lo, Rubio, Beasley, a Kogi, it's called a Kogi uh -huh. slash Wancho yep. and Cat. The question is now that you want to, you, what about, what about the, the longer term future? Like eventually Anthony Edwards has to be in that mix, right? Yep. Like he's got to be in, in your closing lineup going forward. Hopefully Jared Culver starts to, you know, deserve to be a starter, right. Or a closer in once your once your team's healthy. So, that's kind of what I think about. Like, even if this D'Lo Rubio thing, quote unquote, works, like, how long does it work for? It, it's it's proven to be, and credit to you, it's proven to be far wonkier in my eyes than I thought it would be. I was just kind of like, well, he's, you know, I had the basic line of thinking. I'm like, he'll probably be like the third or fourth best player in this team. So, like, Whatever. I didn't think James Johnson was going to be that. So let's you might, might as well bring right, in the better right. player. He seems like a vet. All these sort of things. It has been. It hasn't been that. I, I've been wrong to that end. But I also like in all the things I found myself being like, oh, I was very sure about. All right, I felt very confidently about that have proven wrong or proven right. Where I go, well, wait. It, nothing is proven yet. Right. Because so much of what has played out have been things that have played out in. Minutes that lose context because they're not with Cat, or just straight up have played out in garbage time. So it's it's tough to say. It's just tough to say with all this stuff. I think that is a very succinct and well articulated view of your position, um, and I I understand it. I'm and I'm not rooting against it. Um, and here comes the sword. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I I think it's well said. I, at the end of the day, you have to expect that Ricky Rubio is going to accept a demotion. There's no other way to clothe it. Um, yeah. And I always thought that that was going to be. You did. You did. Uh, going to be difficult. This is a guy. The last time he was in Minnesota. He was feted. He was the guy. And even the people who didn't like him, 
were met with a pushback. He became a very polarizing player, but both sides had good arguments. Um, and then Tibbs kind of shunted him off. Um, right. But again, uh, and as everybody wants to say, and I do kind of agree with it, he's a much better player in his own way, or at the very least has tailored his game. I personally don't think, uh, I think Rubio's first 40 games in the NBA, um, you know, that's, that's going to be hard to beat. That was, you know, Lynn's sanity uh, for Minnesota, you know? Right. Um, I mean, here's the thing, too. Like, we're talking about Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo all in this, like, philosophical how could they connect when they're playing basketball in the future. Like, just watching Ricky Rubio play basketball right now. He's in trouble. He's either he's either out of shape in the same ways that Cat and Wancho were, right. which it's it's either that or he is on his way down the hill in terms of just physically. Like, and, and this is coming from me. I'm I'm pro Rubio right, here. Right. I'm just saying you watch that dude play, and it's cement feet. Well, I will say this: that um, Rubio, throughout his career, has have a, had a habit of compounding his mistakes. Um, he goes through stretches. He has with every team, where he does a couple of things wrong. And he wants to get it right in his mind. He doesn't let recent mistakes do it. And if his team overall is performing badly on top of it, and he's becoming one of the asterisks on terrible performances as being somebody who's a catalyst for that terrible performance, he's going to beat himself up. And he's going to do it fairly demonstrably by doing things, he missed a layup last night and immediately fouled the guy who got the rebound. That's a classic. Spike the ball. That's yeah. a classic Rubio, you know, God damn it, play, and it's it's threaded throughout his career um, that way. What we forget is that um, once Rubio left here, he didn't have Timberwolves crap accruing to him for a good three or four years. I mean, even in Phoenix, you know, there was, especially in the bubble, there's signs of, you know, renaissance here. Utah, you know, played pretty well. Um, you know, there have always been ways where uh, Rubio has been regarded as a guiding force in a future that's pointing upward. Now he's supposed to be the enabler of the guiding force of the future performing upward and not, you know, I know I hear all the talk about Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. The guy he's trying to enable now is a point guard. It's D'Angelo Russell. Unless you want to talk about Edwards and Culver, which I'm all for on the second unit. So the guy he's supposed to make much better in this case is the guy who if he does this will still get more minutes and be ahead of him in the pecking order right um this is right after 
being bushwhacked on the Phoenix trade, being told, hey, we got Mike Connolly now, go find your own deal. These are some of the things I was saying at the beginning of the year. He's got he's got things, he's got emotional baggage that he's far too mature to express openly, but they're in there, you know, and 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 it sucks because he is he is better than that. Yes. Yet not substantially. Right. He's not like he is um, not been this clear maiming or anything. Is he better than Mike Conley? Well, actually, given Mike Conley's season last year, I would argue maybe Rubio had as good a year, if not better than Conley. But certainly at the Mm -hmm. time, you couldn't blame Utah for wanting Mike Conley over Ricky Rubio. Chris Paul, I mean, are you kidding? And so um, you have circumstances. Jeff Teague is a mistake. But, you know, that's yeah. that's all tips, you know. Um, it, it's so tricky with him, too, because, like, you know, I, I think about it in the context of of the fan, this fan base and the people who love him. And and you people can just point to a number and be like, no, he actually is good, you know. Right. And and Rubio's always had that to him. And it it's, you know, it's it's part of his allure and, and part of it's fair where it's like, Net rating, VORP, right, plus minus, whatever. Like there is this part of Ricky Rubio that does produce some of that, and and it's a lot of people sort of like this dude has just been screwed over by everyone. Let him play, let him play, let him play. But it does like you can acknowledge it and still miss the context of like there's things at basketball that he's just bad at, right? Straight up, like he doesn't he can't finish. shoot, right? He doesn't finish. he doesn't finish, and. And it doesn't mean the plus minus and all that isn't accurate. It just means you can only use him in a limited package of ways that are positive. It's there's a reason how many coaches has you played for, like have all run into this same Ricky Rubio problem where he's good and they know he impacts winning, but they know that when he doesn't, he impacts losing profoundly because the things he's bad at, he's bad at. And, I go back to what I said in the beginning because I do think it's his best argument right now. He is an organizer on a team that is very, very unfamiliar yep. with each other. Um, but to what the guys he's just left to organize are so bad. Right. The, the second unit's so bad right but, now. But and also to what end? At the end of the day, this team will rebuild or or take a big step forward based on D'Angelo Russell's progress going forward. Only Cat moves the needle on expectations more than D'Lo. And right now, D'Lo is not only sabotaging himself, he's sabotaging Rubio, which is... You know he bounced the media again last night? No. Yeah, so he's... He skipped out on media requests four games now. Huh. Well, you know, uh, I thought the, I, I, you know. Yeah, you you liked him being a dingus. Well, no, I, in, I, in no, I, I, the right balance was actually sarcastic when I said he's the right balance of sullen and, uh, and uh, with a haughty. Um, no, I have no, I have no problem with him being like that. Like, whatever, that that's absolutely your, 
your right to like engage in the questions you don't want to engage in and the, not the other ones, but he's just, di I'm saying he's digging himself a hole that is like, whatever those of us in the media, it is what it is. You know, I don't, you don't have expectations, but he's already, he's digging himself a hole in this fan base that it's like, how the hell is it seven games into the season? And, and, and you're just about as hated as Andrew Wiggins was. Yeah. Like, how the hell did that happen? Right. Part of that's him. Oh, yeah. I, I I would agree with that. I also think that... I'm shocked by that development. Eh, you know, I mean, again, though, we're too close to it. Most people... I don't know, man. D.O. may be hated, but uh, egghead media like you and me are probably not too far behind. I mean, you know... I. Do you know me? I'm pro. I like D. No, I understand. What, I, what I'm saying I, though I, is, um, if D'Lo blows off the media, um, a lot of people aren't going to care. And and okay, oh, that's true. We're talking about two different things right. here. I I was just bringing right. that up, but he's doing a lot of Andrew Wiggins things. Like his year has been Andrew Wigginsy. The team loses more when he's on the floor. He puts up big numbers like. He's an innings eater in that way, right. and, and and at times it's good. Like last night was good. I thought his thirty three points were, you know, were impressive. But he did nine of ten, which is what you usually never does. Like he just has those glaring holes, lapses in his game right. that Andrew Wiggins does. And and I'm just saying, this is looking a lot more like it's going to be Andrew Wiggins two than it's going to be this new different D'Lo thing and it is if it is Wiggins 2.0 or even close to that that's terrible because they gave up a top 2021 pick to get that right and and you know those are our our buddy Andy Grimsrud has always been on that the whole time and I've also and I've been like all right you know like let's chill on that I'm pretty sure the juice is going to justify the squeeze but has not thus far Again, maybe a too early thing, but I would agree with all that. Uh, I don't even know how I, I talk about deal. I wanted to talk about Anthony Edwards, but respond to that. Okay, first of all, it really is early. I mean, I'll go to the perspective card. I don't think anything you've said is necessarily wrong, except for um, Delo has an ability to write the ship a lot better than Wiggins could. Wiggins could not put his imprimatur on a game in a positive way, the way D'Lo can, if he's going right. 100%. If he's going right, 100%. if D'Lo has got it cooking in the half court, finds a couple of good pick and roll guys, is hitting that rainbow jumper of his, he puts together a couple of weeks of that, and people are going to be happy. Um, and I think D'Lo knows that. I think he's waiting for it to happen. I think yep. that when D'Lo gets his buddy Cat back, um, you know, things are going to happen in that way too. Well, that's going to be the that's going to be the proof, as always, concept. for everything. You yeah. know, how is it yeah, going right. to work when Cat? We comes keep up, doing right? this, well, yeah. that's... but particularly with D'Lo, yeah. particularly with D'Lo. That that was the whole premise. That was the whole justification of giving up the 2021 first. And, was that he's a better fit with Cat? And I'm not, I've never been convinced of that as much as other people are. I do think that D'Lo, I, I I suspect the Cat D'Lo pick and roll because I don't think Cat's good at pick and rolls. All right, that's it. 
<laughs> Dilo, where I see Dilo's obstacles are, he doesn't try on defense. He has a style that makes him look like he isn't hustling. Sometimes it's accurate. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes D'Lo is just playing the angles. Um, it's maddening to watch. The eye test is not kind to him sometimes, but he gets deflections. Uh, he's very long-limbed. Um, he's certainly he's getting a lot of interceptions. He's a long ways from being a good defender. He is a subpar <laughs> defender. Um, his defensive net rating right now is like 122 or something. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. And so, um, and by the way, his offensive rating is 99. So, you know, you've got some issues there, but big gap. (laughs) All that said, uh, seven games in five of them without cat on a team that's unfamiliar with each other. And we forget D'Lo still has never had his own team. And he is trying to figure out how to have his own team right. in a manner that works. And and getting it unexpected timing of like, oh, all of a sudden, here you go. Here's a team, you know, right, right. when two weeks ago. It, right. He, yeah. And also, I mean, but he's never even been. He was 1B because he emerged into it in Brooklyn. Yeah. But he the next season, you know, um, he wasn't all of a sudden he wasn't one B because he wasn't there. So it, it, <laughs> it gets, it's still too early. He's young. I see a lot of chronic problems with him. Always have. I thought it was worth it. Worth losing the pick just to lose Wiggins. Um, Wiggins will, you know, the fact that Wiggins is having one of his little boomlets right now is very enjoyable to me. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm tickled by the Wiggins sine wave in another market, you know, I mean, let's, let's watch him ride the roller coaster of Andrew Wiggins, you know, more power to him. Yeah, you know, right. um, we have our own now, another, a different guy with a different sine wave in D'Lo. But I do think that if you're going to put one or the other in a starting lineup next to cat, and I just got through saying that their pick and roll doesn't work that well. It still is better to have D'Lo than it is to have Wiggins, because Wiggins yeah. and Cat were uh, basically parallel. They ran on parallel tracks a lot and did not help each other that much. We, we've we've still got to we've still got to see with the the Cat D'Lo pick and roll. I'm with you. Cat's never been a, a great screen setter. Um, you know he's he, he's never really been in a dynamic role situation. And it's all been pop stuff. So I mean, we gotta, we get, we gotta. I think we gotta let that play out for like twenty games and, and see how dynamic it can be. And let me clarify, I guess, because it's not going to be statistically terrible because you have two incredibly talented people, but mm-hmm. it is not going to be more than the sum of its parts. I don't think. I you know, I think that yeah. uh, look at Ed. And I think that's an indictment. Ed Davis. I mean. Ed Davis is resurrected. All of a sudden, they're starting to run pick and rolls for Ed Davis. Ed Davis is going, all right, you know, I'm not a piece of crap after all. You know, I've got some wide open looks at the hoop. Uh, 
because I know how to run a pick and roll with a guy who's a really good pick and roll player. I know how to set a screen. And as he said, and I thought a very revealing quote, I know how to sustain a screen until D'Lo is ready to get me the ball. Um, Cat, if he does learn, if he does learn to sustain the screen, he's going to want to wonder where the hell the ball is almost immediately <laughs> as he starts to sustain that screen. You know, yeah, that's true. So that's true. it's it's going to be a, a work in progress, and that is, assumes that circumstances allow it to be a continuing work in progress, whether it's injuries or just uh, short-term failure, compounding uh, bad mojo, and having uh, Timberwolves uh, karma visit upon everybody concerned. I mean, that's obviously always a factor. So I'm cautiously pessimistic. I, I, I actually really like that. <laughs> That's right. I like that combination of words when I talk about D'Lo and Cat and about D'Lo in general because um, – And about the Timberwolves. Well, there is reason um, – I have reason to dislike D'Lo's game that have not been uh, dissuaded from me at all. But I would be, sure. I would be foolish – not to acknowledge that he has some really, if not elite, very above average NBA skills that can really help a team. Uh, is it enough to overcome his downsides? Remains to be seen. Uh, I'm cautiously pessimistic, pessimistic that it, there are, it is not. Let's uh, last thing. Let's 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 talk a little Anthony Edwards right. and just kind of, you know put a pin in where it's been through these first seven games um, because I, I feel that the excitement around him um, has been great. I mean, he's a great personality. We both enjoy our interactions with him on, on the Zooms and stuff and, and totally understand the fan base, you know, latching onto him in that way. Um and, and I think he showed a lot of interesting things as an offensive player. I, I do also feel like it's my or our place to, to highlight how good he's actually been as an overall player and, and, and what, his, what his impact currently is versus what it might be going forward. And, and I guess I'm just curious with you start and, and, and what your assessment of him as a basketball player currently or in these seven games has been yeah i think you you almost said it a half a dozen times in that prelude um very very yeah. <laughs> very raw uh to the point where he will hurt you as much as help you right now um but uh tremendous ceiling um for sure he has there isn't an aspect of his game where he hasn't shown you that he could be at the very least average and probably above average. He could be an above average defender. He could be above average passer. He can be an above average dribbler. Um, will he be all those things? I don't know because they, we've only seen flashes of it. Um, we know that he can get to the rim whenever he wants to. Uh, and we know that uh, as his reputation rises, 
he's going to average 10 free throws a game if he's used right. That is a really underrated, non-flashy skill uh, for sure that he possesses. He already has um, all he needs now is a little bit more of the reputation. So he gets non-rookie whistles uh, at some point in time, but he's going to get to the line and live at the line a lot. And that's really going to help the Wolves or whatever team he's with down the line. Um, he's below 30% on three-point shooting, and I don't think it's all shot selection. I just don't think he has a good three-point stroke yet. Um, I hmm. think that... Um, I don't... I don't. I don't hate his stroke. Well, I hate the result. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, I think that it's, um, I'm not sure he's going to ever be a 40% three point shooter. I'm not sure he's ever oh, no. going to be 36, which is NBA average now. Um, right. Well, because he's take, he's going to take difficult ones. Well, I, I think that's part of being that player that gets to line a lot. That this means he's going to have a big piece of the pie. He's clearly in his minutes that he's been out there. He's been, you know, in the Andrew Wiggins role where here you go, catch this grenade. There's four right, seconds right. left. What are you going to do with it? Like, that's just that's what he's going to be in the NBA. He's a two, three who will, you know, will be asked to do a lot of those right. things. So I think 40 percent would be. Un, you know, unrealistic. Probably to have a great true shooting percentage would be probably unrealistic for him. You know, uh, really at any even even at any point in his career. I think he can be over fifty four percent, fifty five percent true shooting, and that's pretty good. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes with free throws and in paint, and then like thirty two percent from three. Um, sure, but. Defensively, what I would argue is that um, there are times when he's locked in and he looks very good. There are times when he's not locked in and he really hurts the team. Um, he gets backdoored a lot. He gets uh, uh, bad choices on pick and roll decision making a fair bit. Um, sometimes his desire to make things happen physically is unwise on defense, uh, but Brent. he's 19 years old. All right, that's a good place to start. He's 19 years old, which means it is. there's a good chance it will not always be this. Right. Oh, yeah. I agree. But his defense is maybe the worst in the NBA. No, I don't think so. Yes. As far – watch him. Watch, he doesn't – he – he has no idea who he's even guarding. He has no idea. I mean, yes, he's physical enough. That's what you're right. That's what makes him not the worst defend the, the worst defender in the NBA. But he he is beyond lost in in who in what he is supposed to do off ball turning around. I mean, it is. He, there, there's like the there's these times where you're like, just stay home on your guy in the corner. You know, and then he helps when he's not – it's – and, again, these are all probably 19-year-old things. But it's – if you rip through his defensive possessions and watch it, it's – But don't you – It's as bad as it would be with any other player in the league, which – hold on. I Just because right. I don't want to completely bag okay. on him. My point here is, is it's the same thing 
it's the same thing that has developed with Michael Porter Jr., where you go, this is an absolute nightmare defensively, yet it is going so well on offense that it is completely justified to play this player. He's he's very good, and he is so clearly physically imposing enough that if he flips a couple of the switches on defensively, this should be you know this should be a great player. But in the interim, Michael Porter Jr. will lose you games in the playoffs, even this year probably. Right? Like, it's it's very much it's very much that's the comp. I tweeted that yesterday. I think Anthony Edwards' comp right now is 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 Michael Porter Jr. in a lot of different ways. And and I think I think it's a good comp, despite the fact that I can't stand Michael Porter Jr. for a variety of reasons. Some of them are political, but um, I okay. think also. It's a good comp because every now and then Michael Porter Jr. gets it on defense and impacts the game positively. And that's what I'm talking about with Edwards. I wouldn't call him the worst defender. Um, who uh, I would say um, there are guys in the NBA who just are – are abysmal um well they're physically are like they're physically outmatched he's the worst defender in the league right now that isn't physically outmatched that's what i'm saying i don't know um but but the the impact of of all just because he has a couple possessions where he can get in the way of the guy and he looks competent on ball doesn't i mean right that's the reason he's not playing like why people like People wonder why Anthony Edwards isn't starting. People wonder why he isn't closing any any of the games. That's it, and that's why it's not just a Ryan Saunders thing. Like no coach would 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 be clo- using him in closing situations because teams would take advantage of of that defensively. Now, I'm getting, this isn't a permanent right. thing, but that's why it is this right now. He, and he had no summer league. He had no training camp, but he has not. He doesn't know how to do it right. Now. I have not done the play by play thing that you have done. And I respect your judgment, but what I will tell you is, as somebody who watches the game as a five-person game on the court, he has not struck me. He struck me as a subpar defender in balance, but I would not give him a two out of ten. I'd give him like a four out of ten. You'd give him a two. I mean, it's and and maybe. It's simply because you've seen more than I have. And I, if that's so, you put in the work. I haven't. So I will cede that to you. What I can tell you from what I've seen and what I've watched, not quite as pinpoint as you have, is that there are times when um, he'll go through a flurry of good things um, that are heartening. And there are also times where um, he will totally man. They're just all on offense. That, I, there are so <laughs> like he might be an awesome. Too. I don't know. <laughs> he he might be an awesome offensive player, like in the NBA in two right. months. So I'm not like, talking he might about be... offense. I'm talking about defense. I do uh, think there are right. flurries where you know. Next time I see it, I'll tweet you. Okay, <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna just send you some clips today. Hey, it, I believe you. I'm not disbelieving you. I'm just there, saying that it's there is not one possession opinion. against Washington. There's one possession against Washington where it's kind of in transition, and he turns his body uh-huh. 
to to look at the other side of the floor yes, I've seen where that the happen. ball right, is. Right. No, this one was was the worst. It goes right because his guy right. then ru- then a guy runs behind him, right. and the ball gets swung back over to that and side. Know where it is. And he does no, he doesn't know that his man has changed. Right. He still thinks he's guarding number four right. when the, just that the jersey number is changed. He, it's this is very hard to to illustrate without actually showing the plays, but it's. It's the David Vanderpool challenge. That's right, the, this right. is the challenge. You know, this is the challenge for Ryan. I'm just saying, like, as much as we are, a lot of people are loving on Anthony Edwards, and I think he has a real case to, you know, make a push to be the rookie of the year this year. There is the reason he's not he, – he can't really play in meaningful minutes right now or in a, a closing game is because of the defense. And the defense has really, really been – a, 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 in my eyes, a, a nightmarish thus far, yes. and 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 it's in a Michael Porter way where it's still very justified to play, and he's still very good, and somebody they should be very excited about. Like, I just think it's. To- I mean, the, the Denver Minnesota comparisons go up and down from Jokic to Game eighty two to all this and that, and it's Porter and Edwards are that too, as far as how they play basketball, what they're good at, what they're bad at, and then to the extent of like. If Denver is about to make a move to go trade for a superstar this year or next year, Michael Porter's the piece, right? And I think the same thing when we talk big picture about the Timberwolves, like Anthony Edwards is the piece if the Wolves go try and get – like that's the – we talk about Rubio or Beasley as the salary filler. Like, no, he's the he's the blue chip that, that gets you the guy. I think, I think in a ton of different levels the Porter-Edwards thing works. I don't know. I mean, I've always really liked him next to Culver on defense. Um, I would be curious to know what their two-man defensive rating is. Now, again, small sample size. I know you, all, you all no, these numbers you are so broken no right now. For this, I know, but um, <laughs> because he's not involved in blowout runs, he will look better. I get it. I mean, I understand what you're saying. That if 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 your team gives up, as the Wolves have done at least two or three times this year, twenty to two runs or thirty-five to eight runs, that is going to permanently ding their rating. I get that, um, but I also think, while it isn't all causation, uh, I think that Culver and Edwards are a fine pair of wings. No, you, you've been on that the whole time. I, I, I think, I think that is too. I'm just saying it's not right now. <laughs> it just isn't. I, I don't. I, I, mean, I wish I could argue not... with you better. You know what would probably happen is if I knew everything you knew, because you've drilled down. I mean, you, how many have you seen? Almost every possession he's done on defense. Yeah, it's it's super easy. I mean, with the I synergy, know, so, you right. can just go through. You can get through every Edwards defensive possession and. 20 25 minutes and and you know and some people make the argument with synergy and stuff that it, it paints an unfair picture for positive or, or negative it it, it isolates you know, accentuates right. yeah it, it i and i i think it's what i think it's great for is i really enjoyed using it for the draft and i've enjoyed you know using it to you know catch up on oh what has tyrese halliburton been doing oh i can't watch every brooklyn nets game like let me get a vibe of what Kyrie or kd has right. looked like you know it's good for that stuff so it does accentuate whatever the abiding sort of 
narrative right. is with it. But at the same time, I'm also watching all the Timberwolves games too. Right. And and it's coming up in my notes every game. And and in text messages from coaches. Who I mean that that is from smart people who I've talked to, the the most common thing that I've gotten about Anthony Edwards is that the defense is really a concern. Mm-hmm. And it, it just is. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I guess you don't think so, but well, I'm, and I'm not trying to like alarm, alarm right, or anything no, like no. that. It's, it's just, he wasn't, you didn't get Zion. Like you didn't get Anthony Davis. You got a guy who is really physically talented and is going to have to work through things on both ends of the floor. If he's going to become a okay. Starter. Now to be and fair, it, Zion is pretty bad defensively too. That's Anthony true, Davis isn't, but you know, yeah, I, mean. I know I got what you mean. Right. You know, I hate to mark you up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, I haven't really talked about that. No. And I'm glad, I'm glad I had the opportunity. If you were looking for ratification, you talk to not, somebody who's not quite informed enough to totally agree with you, or maybe I would see what you saw and go, now, wait a minute. You know, right. uh, I, I have faith in your basketball knowledge. I think, if you're this adamant and you've had as much detail under your belt, I'll take it on faith that he's not as good defensively. And I don't think he's good. I just don't think he's as bad as you do that, that you're more likely right than I am. And, you know, and, and I, it'll be something I'll watch for going forward. And it actually will help me, um, you know, look at his game and pay attention to when I'm thinking, He's doing good things. When I go back and rewatch Wolves games, uh, finding mm-hmm. out why I think that and what triggers "quote unquote" good defensive possessions from Edwards, sure. if they are in fact relatively rare. Yeah, and it's just a better thing to talk about on a podcast than just to like yeah, tweet. No, I, Anthony Edwards is terrible at defense right, right. because that won't go well. No. And that's not at, and that's not actually what I think. It's it's. It's that well, he's raw. He's very raw. Yes. He, he, he wasn't in a great program for defense. Uh, no, th- you're right. That's the thing to highlight. He so looks like he's never been coached to play defense or, and, and, you know, probably for him growing up playing high school, AAU, whatever. He just, he hasn't ever had to really right. worry about defense in that sort of way. I mean, he talks about all this. He, he talks about how the game is so simple, offensively and we give him all this credit what she kind of deserves is like man i get double teamed you hit the open guy like you just kind of do what the game you know how the game moves move in that direction and and there's something about defense that 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 sort of simplicity can kill you yes well i mean that's that's a given defense involves decision making that proactive decision beyond well even reactive decision making is not X's and O's necessarily. Gorgie mm-hmm. Jang used to say it over and over again, and I loved him for it. What the coaches draw up is not what happens on the court. I mean, you know, it. <laughs> you, you can you could say if this happens this way, do this. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen that way. Somebody's mm-hmm. a little bit quicker with the pick. Somebody's a little bit slower with the dribble. Somebody's coming from the weak side that you suddenly have to pay attention to beyond this play. Um, right. it, 
there's a million things that go into a working defense that um, you could try to coach it, but you also, what coaching helps is having tools to understand why your decision-making was not as wise as it could be, but it doesn't mm -hmm. mean necessarily that you're going to make the right decision next time. You're going to have to get burned for a while. Um, so one thing I will say about Edwards is he does get his nose dirty. I mean, he does like to try to play defense, I think. You don't think so? I, 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 <laughs> and I also don't want everyone to get mad at me for just – It's just No, no. Hey, there's nothing wrong with this. I Listen – I mean, I'm, I'm lower than two out of ten right now. Uh huh. Okay. Well. And 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 like, and again on the other side of the ball. Yeah, you're higher you know, on the think, other side of the ball than I am. I, I am. Well, I I just see room. I mean, the guy. Can it's get already to the pretty room. good. Right. It's already pretty good, and it's like, oh, we can make a couple tweaks here and there, and it like boosts. 150% of what it already Hey, by the way, what it already was. do you think that Ryan was sandbagging us the other day when he said that um, the game in which Anthony Edwards took five shots was the best game of his pro career at that particular point? Um, did, did well, you... it wasn't his best game. I don't know how any – no, I don't think Ryan thinks that. And also, I think Ryan that is kind trying of set to... up the fact that Anthony Edwards – started to become a shot machine in the rematch with Denver. And, and, you know, maybe that was like some interesting disinformation that was coming out of uh, the Wolves camp. Like this is what we want Anthony Edwards to do is pass the ball all the time. You know, I mean, which defies logic. Hey man, I know, I know Ryan thinks that other teams listen to the media availabilities and take notes of it, which he's now wrong about. Right. Like, so there you go. Because let's face it, I tweeted this out, you know, during the game a couple of games ago. I love the fact that he's he's already, if not the best skip passer on the team, one of the most willing skip passers, which is not, you know, Edwards. That, yeah. You know, that's a that's a Rubio esque vision of the court. Um, and that's what's crazy to me, Britt, is the vision so good. Right. The vision's so good on offense. Right. And right. Well, eyes closed on the other end. I mean, I don't yeah, know. But, okay, so let's stick with the offense for a second. So Sorry. That's right. So I do think that give me one-on-twos a little bit more. I don't mind Edwards dribbling into two guys because I think it's going right. to be a mostly positive outcome. The guy loves right. contact which is really a blessing because this team needs somebody like that. Um, mm -hmm. And not in the, you know, the way that, um, you know, they're, they're Kevin Martin love contact, but Kevin Martin loved. Um, well, Ryan calls it force. Yeah. But I think it's force to the rim uh, and he's got, that. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And, and, uh, and so therefore the fact that he's passing it all and doing it well, great. But, <laughs> Give me, uh, you know, seven for 14 and 10 of 11 from the line. I think that's where he's going to come from. I don't want, 100%. I don't want um, 11 of 23 
and three or four yeah. from the line, you know? Right. Um, and I, I think that's what, that's what his template will be. Um, and the, the, the tricky balance sort of seems to be where like, if he's hitting a for his first couple threes, then he's going to be more inclined to stick with the jumper. Who doesn't, you, you know, know, I mean, it, yeah, that's, that's true. you that's get, true. you get one and a half times yeah. the bang and you don't have to, uh, you know, bang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like I've watched a little bit of Bradley, a, a good amount of Bradley Beal this year. And, and, and there, there, there's elements there where I think that's, that's maybe what Anthony Edwards is, mm. you know, if it, if it's actualized because there's this preference from Beal to shoot. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. And, and also to work from the mid range and, you know, who knows if Ant will have that, that freedom here, but there's also this ability to get to the rim though. He almost always is flabbergasted. This Beal I'm talking right. about where he gets fouled and he's like, shit, I had to just take another beating to get to the line right. here, but I'll do it. You know? And there's like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't relish that contact in the way like a Jimmy does right. or a James Harden does, but he can do it. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm clearly still working through my my optimistic Anthony Edwards comp I, I, well, <laughs> comparisons. His but. superstar comp, not his star comp, is is yeah. Dwayne Wade. I, I, I know How, it's the defensive aspect, yeah. right? I know. That's where you were, but I think he can be a complete player. That's just that's up here, man. I mean, that's just the. He's nineteen. I, I, I think Dwayne. Yeah, I know. I know. Dwayne Wade, yeah. his sophomore year at Marquette, probably <laughs> was. You know, that's fair. I just think that's that fair. what I like about him is that um, he's not judging himself on how many points he gets. You know, I love that too. And and he's mm -hmm. also. Um, Whatever role you want me to play, I'll play. Uh, it's not my time yet. All this other stuff. It's like uh, for real. For just real. tell me when you know when you want me to, uh, you know, get fifteen yeah. free throws a game and get out of my way. You know. Now, I don't want to um, diminish uh, the force and the depth of your argument about his defense because. I, uh, I don't have as much information, um, but it is something um, that is a concern. If he's got a long that far to go, then uh, then David Vanterpool has his work cut out for him. And well, and it, and it's just scary in the landscape of this team too, yeah, where you already. I mean, like right. D'Angelo doesn't have the physical ability to be an above average right. defender, you know, even if he does have the, you know, the mental aspect of it, and that's he does kind of, and yeah, and he, yeah, well, exactly. I so, mean, he's, <laughs> so he's I'm got, just putting he's that got over six there. years in the league. I mean, we know that D'Lo yeah. doesn't want to be great on defense. Yeah. That's a fact. Exactly. And, and I would also say that there's, um, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying a little bit before with Malik that he's done, He's done about as much as he could defensively, but there's only so much that Malik can do defensively, and 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 then Wancho's limited offensively too. That's your, that's your you know that's there's your other guy. We talked about you know if Rubio slows down. I mean that 
what he gave you defensively, there's a little bit less. I mean, it looks like Cat in the two games looks like Cat could be. Def- it's just at what if point Anthony though, Edwards is going to be. At what point if, if Anthony Edwards say, is going to be part of this? At what point does Cat yeah. say fold? I don't get enough help on defense. I've told you guys. Everybody accuses me of being a bad defender. I get blamed for years. I've proven to you guys it's not my fault. I played great defense and we still suck. I mean, I can really see that mindset holding for him. Um, and he wouldn't be totally wrong no, because no. The, that's what the point I was making yeah. is they just right. don't have right. good guys that are good defenders now or will probably be good defenders next year. Right. That's just that's an concerning Another one of our defense. cheerfully accurate observations. <laughs> well, that's a good place to end. <laughs> um all right, Britt. Blazers. Blazers on Thursday. Then it's it's Spurs. The two worst the Christmas, defensive teams in the NBA was a great segue. The Blazers are 29th. <laughs> the Wolves are 30th right now. Yes. It, and, and I've watched the Blazers a good amount. I, well, I don't know if you watch that Steph like, 62 They are point like uh, the Wolves in that they they're, are so unfamiliar. They, they Well, they are just like the Wolves in a lot of ways. Right, right. The, the cat. There's this cat, Damian Lillard. Like, n- not as a people, right. but as basketball players, there's a lot. There's a lot of similarities there. There's a lot of similarities between Stotts and Panterpool, of course. Like, right. I watch them and I go, "Are the Wolves a poor man's Portland?" And then I go, "If that's true, uh oh." Right. Because they are built so unevenly as well. Right. Where Dame, no matter what Dame and CJ do, they're just always going to be relatively one-way players. On the other hand. In Cat's wildest dreams, he can impact yeah. a game like Dame thus far. You know, D- oh for sure. I mean, you know what I'm yeah, getting no, at. No, no, right? I get, like, I totally what you mean that you know your your signature player is very lopsided, no doubt mm-hmm. about that. Um, and then they're trying to comp like trying to compensate with role players who are defenders, and it like kind of makes sense on paper, but then you go, oh. Wait, Derek Jones Jr. and Covington are both starting, and we still suck at defense. Like it feels very a Kogi Culver sort of vibe there. I don't know. I just I think there's. I want to know who our Zach Collins is. Me too. Because <laughs> there's a guy. There's a guy who's that's you know room for hope. You know. Well, it's, he's not playing. He's well, not. I know that's what I mean. If and when he comes back, then uh, you know they might have something. Because Nurk, well, that, Nurk will be good. Yeah. You know, Nurk and Collins, I would like to see those guys together if Collins can keep that three-point stroke. Uh, sure. You know, I mean, they, they could have something. You play Rocco at the three. You know, you have uh, Jones off the bench or what is it, JJJ, whatever his name is. Jones is one of those names. Yeah, Derek Jones Jr., okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. anyway, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, probably two and six, but there you go. Hey. But I, I, it, just be normal. Just be a normal bad team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's that's like my bar right now. For And I thought they were in the, you know, probably both Denver games. Normal bad team. That's fine. Late February can, can and early March, the words top three will be on a lot of people's lips. all right Britt robson um at Britt robson on twitter Uh, i can read everything him and john krasinski are doing over at the athletic thanks for doing it Britt, and we will talk soon till then i am dane peace out everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.